we just see that the Midwest has the chance to be just a focus of the actual biomanufacturing sector in the future. And that's why we look at when we, you know, we wanted to locate that facility here in, in the Midwest and preferably in Minnesota, really to just feed that the biomanufacturing going forward. The Medical Alley podcast is brought to you by MentorMate. For over 20 years, the healthcare industry's largest companies have trusted MentorMate to guide their vision while designing and developing innovative digital products. Whether you're powering a medical device, overhauling your backend architecture, or reimagining your patient experience, MentorMate can help. Their global team takes a personalized and in-depth approach to deliver secure solutions in all sectors of healthcare. With deep expertise in design, development, cloud, and software support, MentorMate helps healthcare clients administer state-of-the-art care through technology. Trusted guidance, global expertise, secure integration. MentorMate delivers digital transformation at scale. Learn more at MentorMate.com. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everyone out there in Medical Alley. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Medical Alley podcast. Today, we have a really fun discussion about one of the fastest growing parts of the Medical Alley community, the the biotechnology community, an area that I think more of you are coming to recognize, but many of our listeners who are more familiar with the med tech or the digital health community, you may not realize how significant biotech is to this community and how fast it's growing. And I'm so pleased to be joined today by one of the people and one of the companies that's driving that growth, Tom Yezzi with NewTech. Uh, Tom, maybe you could start, just give us a quick intro on who you are, what you've been up to, and a little bit about NewTech. Sure. Thanks, Thanks, Frank. Um, so I am Tom Yezzi. I am the founder of NewTech Biosciences. Um, my, my background is I have a bachelor's and master's degree it's in food microbiology out of the University of Minnesota. Um, I started my career working in research and development and moved into manufacturing and there sort of got involved with venture capital and private equity and started really working in the area of startups. And that's where once I got involved in that has just been a great fit for me. And that's really how I got into creating the company, New Tech Biosciences. And then the company itself, what we do is in simpler terms, we just say we produce the food for bacteria and cells used to manufacture pharmaceuticals. What we do is we actually pre-digest proteins so the cells can more easily utilize them. This improves both the growth efficiency and yield. When we talk about animal-free and non-GMO, that it's very important in biomanufacturing. The biggest concern with, and the reason why we focus on these animal-free products is because of the concern of BSE or mad cow disease. Um, what we saw or what the industry was concerned with was that, is there going to be an issue of transferring animal type diseases into the human genome during manufacturing um, using animal components in, in the media? And so that was really the, the sort of cornerstone, cornerstone of this and what really um, drove our interest in it and really brought us to where we are today. Oh, it's, that's kind of fascinating. Um, I think in, in a lot of my work where it's with the medical device companies, for example, I think of, oh, you're machining metal or you're injecting plastic. 
you're working with living cells, you're making food for the living cells, maybe back up even just a, a little bit more, the products you're making, you said it, it goes into biologic drug manufacturing. So what are the kinds of companies in that you guys work with and why are they then picking your products versus some other you know, food for the drug? Yeah, so our, our customer base is really the large pharmaceutical supply houses or the individual pharmaceutical companies. And what, what really drives our business is the fact that we, are, we focus mainly, well, almost exclusively on these animal component-free materials. And that's really the fastest growing segment of the cell culture media market. And with the new facility, that gives us capacity that can feed this industry for years. And that's really, really the driver behind it. Um, our products give um, these companies excellent performance, have shown to improve yields. And that really is what just drives our business. Um, it, it's something that the industry needs the capacity and we're really putting it in. Oh, interesting. And, and you said something there that some of our listeners not, might not be aware of. You're, you're building a new facility right now. Uh, where are you guys building and what, what are you building? Yes. So what we're doing is we're building a facility in Austin, Minnesota. This is really the first greenfield dedicated animal-free peptone facility in the world. And wow. it's something that there are other facilities that are either multi-use or have been um, refurbished facilities, but this would be the only one like it in the world. Oh, wow. And so why is it in Austin? I, I know of Austin for like Spam and the Hormel company, but there's there's got to be a different connection for what you guys are doing. Right. What we did is we went through a very extensive site selection process. And what we find is this business is something that there are a tremendous number of communities across the Midwest and the U.S. that would love to host this type of business. But we really needed different things that enabled you know, that makes it a great place for others to come and work with us. And so what we found is that um, Austin was very unique in the fact that it's, it's proximity to major universities uh, like the University of Minnesota, University of Wisconsin, University of Iowa. We have arguably the largest clinical trial hospital in the world or 40 minutes away, um, the Mayo Health Systems as well as there's really this hidden gem in Austin, which is called the Hormel Institute, which is actually a, a cancer research center that the Hormel Foundation actually gifted to the University of Minnesota. But they're doing some just incredible research in cancer therapy and immunotherapy. And so what we found is doing this sort of the site selection that it was, it was the best place to put this, along with um, in the area, we'd always say in the Midwest, it's um, you know just such a rich manufacturing history. So that's really you know what we build up too. That having the labor force around things like that too, it's it's really proving to be you know a perfect location. Yeah, I mean that I think for most of the companies we work with, they wouldn't necessarily think through that kind of analysis, and it it's probably worth sharing that with other biotech companies that the resources you've identified 
and the Hormel Institute, folks, if you're not familiar with it, look it up. It is an incredible institute that has generated a lot of groundbreaking research. It, it sounds like it'd be a great place for other biologic suppliers and companies to be in and around as well. I didn't thought of the proximity to the multiple universities. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because we, um, when we first started this process, um, one of the things that I had done is I was in the research triangle in North Carolina and I stopped in at the Chamber of Commerce there and I picked up the book they had about why companies should move to the research triangle in North Carolina. And, and, and when I went through the reasons I was looking at this going, and wow, I mean, this place in Minnesota would be even better. It's the, the, the population within 500 miles, the number of pharmacy schools with, within the region, the research institution, the numbers of them. So there are all these different things that really, um, you know, you, you saw that I'm like, my gosh, this is a better place. You could create that here in this area between the Twin Cities, Rochester, and Austin. And so we, that's really what started us there. And then now, because we work um, very far up in the supply chain of the pharmaceutical manufacturing, we believe that any other aspect of the pharmaceutical manufacturing process could be located you know, in close proximity to us, which would only you know, benefit the industry as well as the ability to produce, you know, um, pharmaceuticals, pharmaceuticals and vaccines more quickly. Oh, very interesting. And that, that makes me think I should track down with the North Carolina Chamber that, that same thing. Because, yeah, that kind of thinking, that kind of analysis, we probably haven't done looking at the full state and where those different assets are in relation to each other. Because, you know, quite often we've been focused on the, the Twin Cities, on Rochester, on Duluth, not realizing there are these other incredible assets right in our own midst that we could build on. Backing up just a bit, you know, we've talked a little bit about what you guys are doing, but I think a lot of times when people think of the biotech or the pharmaceutical industry, they're thinking of the drugs themselves and drug discovery, the scientists in the lab developing the drug, but eventually you got to make the drug. Um, I've heard from others, and I'd appreciate your perspective, that there's a bit of a a renaissance going on in drug manufacturing technologies, product systems like what you guys at NewTek are building. Could you maybe give the listeners some sense of the complexity of drug manufacturing and some of the work that you guys are doing to to make it more productive or less complex. Yes, in general, the the pharmaceutical industry has is changing in the fact that at one point a pharmaceutical company was would focus on creating a a drug that that served millions of people, and so if you served millions of people and you sold your drug at $75, it was, it was considered a great, great drug. What you're seeing today with the immunotherapies or the biologics platforms is they, they're really there. A lot of them are oncology drugs that, that treat smaller numbers of people. And in order to do this, the industry has really shifted into more what they call single use systems, 
where in effect, it's like a disposable process system where all the consumables are within the process. You use them once and then you you discard them rather than going through complex cleaning validations. And so the plants are generally smaller and then they don't require the cleaning validation. So, um, and then the companies you work with that supply that equipment, the, a lot of it is sort of somewhat what you call plug and play. So that from that standpoint, the manufacturing process, um, instead of building these extremely large complex facilities, they're more, they're smaller facilities that have completely, um, what I'd say, plug and play systems that you can install in and move into that business and have be manufacturing those drugs in a much shorter time frame, And that's really the way that the industry is moving. And that's really what, what we see. And then our involvement is that we, you know, we really work up front on the raw material supply chain. And then, but as we grow, we continue to get more and more involved in the entire manufacturing process. Interesting. Well, you, you said the uh, the sixty four thousand dollar word and supply chain in there. I, I'm curious the the pandemic we've been going through. Did that have a impact on your guys' supply chain? Did it boost demand for what you were doing, or how did that play out in new tech's business? Yes, it absolutely increased demand. Um, you know, we're involved in um, the manufacture of uh, the COVID vaccine, so. We, um, we have a customer that obviously substantially use more project product related to that. And then what, but as a whole, you know, what you saw is that the, the pandemic has, is using new technologies to produce these vaccines. They're not a traditional vaccine. And so what's been sort of one effect that ultimately will impact us in the future even more is that these platforms have been utilized and in, in, in being proven to be safe because um, normally in a phase three clinical trial, they may have 40,000 participants to try out a therapy, but because of the pandemic and this need to move quicker, you've now had you know, upwards of a billion people vaccinated using um, technologies that really are the biologics technologies or platforms. So what we would say is that even going forward, you know, I've talked to people in the industry who would say that that moved some of these technologies probably ahead by at least five years. Yeah. And, and that's really, you know, where we're involved with it. And so it's been good for our business and it really, you know, has a kind of indicates a very good future for our products. Yeah, well said. The the huge number of people who have, have used the vaccine, we're going to get all kinds of learnings and data from that that will help probably hundreds, if not thousands of other products that get developed over the next however long. And something I've been surprised constantly are how many companies there are in Minnesota, the Dakotas, Wisconsin, and Iowa that were and are supplying these advanced therapy manufacturers, including the vaccine companies, and that the you know this region that historically has been known for agricultural products um, seems to also be involved in the the production of next generation therapies. I'd be curious what's what's your take on the opportunity that 
Minnesota or that the region has to grow this sector and to play a larger role in biotech? Well, in in discussions I've had with other executives in the industry, um, one of what what kind of comes through is that you know in the future the technologies will continue to be developed on the coast. The most investment into them will continue on the east and west coast, but they believe the manufacturing will actually be moving to the Midwest because of um, it's really the cost of production that. You know, it's it's the sites and things. It's a lot less expensive to buy land in Austin, Minnesota, than in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Right. <laughs> so yeah, just just a little bit less expensive. Yes, and then what you've seen is like the companies like Aldevron out of Fargo, mm-hmm. and you know, Catalan has operations in Madison, Wisconsin. You know, we we just see that the Midwest has the chance to be just a focus of the actual biomanufacturing sector in the future. And that's why we look at when we you know, we wanted to locate that facility here in, in the Midwest and preferably in Minnesota, really to just feed that that the biomanufacturing going forward. Yeah. You know, we, we have a number of listeners that are in higher ed, that are in public policy. Are there things you would recommend to them that as they think about you know, the, the long-term infrastructure to support new tech and companies like new tech? You know, are there areas we, we should continue to invest in or do new investments in that'll increase the odds of the region getting these, this growth platform and sustaining it? It really is always you know, that encouragement and, and then it's there also are cases where even for new tech, where we we receive funding from from the state of Minnesota hmm. through Minnesota Department of Employment and Economic Development. So we did see we do see those things, and um, and that really helps support that business and the job creation fund and things. So the state is doing that, and I think. Just going forward, um, it's just you know to focus things like training and, and different things like that that can be done to help you know provide the labor. Because if you really look at the coasts, the biggest one of the biggest issues they have is just labor. Yep. And so you know it's really sort of an untapped force, labor force in this area. That if you work with um, whether it's the community colleges and the universities to create programs that you teach people and train people in biomanufacturing. It just created, you know, that's something that can have a huge impact on this area and really the growth of this, you know, the market. Right on. We, we've heard that from a number of companies that the, the training and development of workforce is a big opportunity. We've, we've done that in other sectors across the state and seen it pay off. Now with biomanufacturing rapidly emerging, we might have a little bit of catch up to do, but the opportunity is significant. La- last question I'll ask you, and the one I always ask people is just what's next? What's next for new tech? What's next for you? So new tech, you know, our vision um, that we set out was to, to build a fully integrated biopharmaceutical manufacturing company. And what we did is, and it's, it's always an interesting story because we had really put this vision together before um, COVID. And 
the idea was we start with these um, these peptones and hydrolysis, which are critical components in the culture media that's used to produce the pharmaceuticals. And so what we did was our vision was to put in these, the peptone business and get the plant going, then start producing cell and tissue culture media that could be used to make the plasmid DNA, which is then used in the biologics platform. So what our plan was has always been to make a fully integrated system from the raw material right through the fill and finish of the active pharmaceutical. As far as the, the pharmaceutical manufacturing part of it, we, we, don't, we will never be a pharmaceutical company in the way that we develop the drug. But what we do is we manufacture the drug on a contract basis. And what we saw is if we could put this fully integrated at one site, we believe that we could create a system that you could bring a drug to market faster than any place in the world. And with COVID, it really kind of exposed the weaknesses in the pharma manufacturing system in the U.S. that you were bringing materials from different parts of the world. You were manufacturing PDNA at one facility, then doing the active pharmaceutical at another, then ultimately doing the fill and finish at a, at a third facility. And what we could show is that we would be able to do this all at one site. Well, Tom, that is super fascinating. I, I'm constantly impressed by the innovators in this community, particularly those in the biotech sector like you, who have been building up something that um, should set the state and the country up for the next generation, if not more. Uh, thank you so much for taking a little bit of time today to chat with us and share the story of NewTech. Thanks, Frank. Uh, likewise, we are, you know, have always appreciated all the support yourself as well as Medical Alley has provided. Um, we've been doing this a long time and um, forward to great things in this industry and in the state of Minnesota. Thank you. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. And the, the long time part is, is well said and appreciated. Biotech uh, is not an overnight success and you guys have been committed to it. Well, and folks, that's been a, another episode of the Medical Alley podcast. If you're not already a subscriber, make sure to check out Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Give us a subscribe, share it with your friends, make sure others know what's going on. Until next time, have a great day.